Happy Tuesday, y'all. Welcome back to another episode here on the Fandom Podcast on Spotify and Anchor. Obviously, as I told you before, Spotify owns Anchor, so you can access it either way. Make sure to follow on Instagram at fandom underscore pod and Snapchat at fandummies, F-A-N-D-U-M-M-I-E-S. We got a lot to cover today, so let's get into it. College football, once again, putting on a show. The Michigan Wolverines throttled Ohio State and fucking Harbaugh finally gets it done. Is it Harbaugh or Harbaugh? Who gives a fuck? What a dub. Hassan Haskins about owns them. Runs for five tuds, 169 yards. Cade McNamara did just enough. He made some good throws. And, you know, he just did his job keeping the Ohio State secondary on their toes just a little bit, just enough. The They used a couple trick plays to keep the D-backs back, and that was opening it up for the for the O-line to get to the second level in the run game, and they just dominated. That, that offensive line was ferocious. They got it done all game long. And really on both sides of the ball, they uh, the Michigan Wolverines, I'm sorry, on both sides of the ball dominated in the trenches. The D-line was creating pressure without having to blitz Hayden Hutchinson, who's going to be a first-round pick. He had three sacks in this game alone. It was pretty cool. They were talking about how he came back, literally came back, he said, just to beat Ohio State. He wanted to be on a part of the Michigan team that could do it. So Michigan with a huge win over Ohio State. I don't even know if I said the score. I believe it was 42-27. Keeping it in the Big Ten, Iowa came back as Nebraska has yet another embarrassingly bad fourth quarter and squanders yet another lead. Nebraska is 3-9, and nine, and all nine losses are by one score. I bitch a lot as a Vikings fan losing close games, but all nine losses? Holy fuck. And if you watch that game, like the way they lost, they did everything that you can do to fuck up a game. They did it. In, in a matter of like three minutes. Like it was horrible. Either way, Scott Frost is Nebraska's head coach. And he left an undefeated Central Florida team for shitty ass Nebraska. That's an absolute joke. If you remember, Central Florida went undefeated. They didn't give them the respect to get into the committee. Then they went out and beat a very good Auburn team in the bowl game. Iowa won. Though, you know, they stole the win at Nebraska. And they secure their spot in the Big Ten Championship against Michigan. Thanks to Wisconsin having the worst college quarterback that I have ever seen. Graham Mertz was selling the whole game against the Gophers. That first half out route in the red zone where he threw it to the tight end, that looked like he did it on purpose. There is even Big Ben Roethlisberger's noodle arm could have made that throw. He, oh, he is so terrible beyond words. And because they lose to the Gophers, they lose their spot in a boring-ass game, too. Gopher fans don't think you're good. I heard Tanner Morgan's coming back for his 18th fucking season. That has been Minnesota's quarterback since I was five, and he is terrible. He has never gotten any better. Still stares down his primary. He's, yeah, garbage. But anyway, the Badgers, it was a terrible loss because next year, you, like, if they don't land a transfer quarterback, the Badgers are in real trouble in football. Paul Christ is not recruiting well. They have the 10th best recruiting class in the Big Ten. Not in the nation, the 10th best in the Big Ten. They are behind schools like Indiana, Maryland, and Purdue in football. Like, that's not okay, first off. 
So if you start stacking shit show performances like this one on top of bad recruiting and terrible quarterback play, Paul Chris could be on his way out. I mean, I think it's pretty early to be saying that. Like a school like Wisconsin, they don't like have a high coaching turnover. So, I mean, they might stick with him. But I think I personally think he needs to go. That dude is a nobody. He's always been a conservative coach. He's incapable of making halftime adjustments. He shows that in every big game that they have a lead in. And to be honest, you have one of the top candidates for a head coaching job sitting right behind him. Jim Leonard, your defensive coordinator. He should be the one, you know, he should be the one running the show at Wisconsin, not Paul Christ. He's he's done. Anyway, Wisconsin chokes on the road to make the state of Minnesota feel good about a sports team for once. Should Michigan handle Iowa in the Big Ten title game, they will secure a spot in the Final Four. And I, I truly believe Michigan can hang with any team in the nation besides Georgia. And the only reason I say besides Georgia is because I don't know that there is a team that can hang with Georgia. Maybe for a half. I mean, we'll see this weekend in the SEC Championship. But they've been so dominant. I mean, they beat Georgia Tech on the road, which is Georgia Tech a powerhouse? No, but it's your rival in Georgia Tech got beat 45 to zero at home. So obviously Georgia's not losing that number one spot. Alabama, once again, struggling this time in the iron bowl at Auburn. I can give them that Auburn always plays them tough, especially when it's, um, especially when Alabama's on the road in that, in that rivalry. But however, they do hang on to get the win on the road four overtimes. Cincinnati uh, looked really good this week. 35-13 on the road versus a respected Eastern Carolina Pirates program. So the final four remains virtually the same with Ohio State and Michigan trading places. Now, if Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship and Oklahoma State beats Baylor in the Big 12 championship, I truly believe that Oklahoma State belongs in the final four over Bama. Bama has played a bunch of close games. Oklahoma State has won a bunch of blowout games. They have the nation's second best defense in they only have one loss, which was at Iowa State, which, yes, that's not a great loss, but it's also not a terrible one because Campbell's turned that program around as well. But they were 4-0 and against ranked teams this year. In Alabama, they had close games at home versus Tennessee and Arkansas. They lose at AM. They almost lost to Auburn. So, like, it's not the same Bama we're used to seeing. They're not as overwhelming. Um, Still very good. Still, I, I mean, I wouldn't be upset if a two-loss Bama team got in there. But if Oklahoma State only has one loss and they win the conference championship, they definitely deserve to be in. Strong case can be made for either of them. And I I hate it, but I got to throw Notre Dame in there. They got to be considered. I know that Kelly just left for LSU, but that's a one-loss team. In Notre Dame, say what you want. They've gotten a lot better throughout the year. Yes, they started out the year slow. They were letting bad teams hang with them. Uh, Cincinnati manhandled them. But since that Cincinnati game, they have been rolling. They absolutely slaughtered the Badgers at the Bears field. So I don't want to say it, but Notre Dame, could you could make an argument for them getting in there. The conference championship weekend starts Friday. Let's go. I cannot wait. We got Western Kentucky taking on number 22, University of Texas San Antonio at 6. That's on CBS Sports Network followed shortly by a Pac-12 rematch from the regular season. Number 11, Oregon, versus number 19, Utah, at 7 on ABC. 
that should be one hell of a rematch. A sour Oregon team looking for revenge after getting absolutely throttled 38-7 by this hot and hungry Utah team who's won five in a row. Both teams are ranked. Both teams are looking to get into a big bowl game. Then you got number eight versus number seven, Baylor, kicking off Saturday's action, uh, 11 a.m. for the Big 12 championship. You got Utah State versus number 21, San Diego State at two on Fox. Number one, Georgia versus number four, Bama at three o'clock on CBS. I will not be missing that game. Then you got number 24, Houston, who is 11 and one, and they're playing 12 and 0 Cincinnati at three o'clock as well on ABC. And that could be a battle. Houston, we all know that Houston's like a very solid football program. It's another Texas school. So they, they're they always pretty good. 11 and one versus 12 and 0. Like it could, that could be a really good game that's getting slept on. Then, of course, you got the Big Ten title game with number two, Michigan, and number 15, Iowa. That one's at seven on Fox. The ACC championship game will also kick off at the same time, seven o'clock on ABC. Number 17, Pitt versus number 18, Wake. <laughs> That's probably the game I'm least excited to see, except for I do like watching Wake Forest just because they put up so many points. But, I mean, Pitt and Wake Forest, who the fuck wants to watch that? All times I provided, by the way, they're in Central Time, so make sure you all keep that in mind when you're tuning in for the games. Like I said, they're playing for New Year's bowl games, which we know are the biggest and best bowl games. And then the final four, all that's going to be determined this weekend. So you got to be watching. I'll be right back with the week 12 NFL recap. And what animal would you have a conversation with if you could pick any and why? Be right back. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Enjoyed tons of delicious food. Seeing your loved ones or stuck with your in-laws, all that fun stuff. So much to be thankful for, except that Lions versus Bears game. My goodness. Constipation to a T. The Bears win 16-14 in the Battle of Golf versus Dalton. The biggest takeaway is somehow Nagy is still the Bears coach, and I've spent way too much time talking about this game. Raiders spoiled Dallas's Thanksgiving, pulling the road upset in an absolute thriller of a game. Like, not even being sarcastic. That was a great game. It's really hard to watch that game after watching the Bears and Lions and trying to comprehend that those four teams play the same sport. Like, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like those two, those four teams play the same sport. It really doesn't. Or at least not a, at a certain level of professionalism. Carr and Dak were both good in this game. Offenses produced, and the Raiders took advantage of 14 Dallas penalties for 166 yards. Even though they themselves had 14 penalties for 110 yards, it was like the timing of the Dallas penalties that really hurt them as the refs continue to ruin the NFL for me and many, many others. The refs are stealing the show time and time again, and this time it favored the Raiders in in the end. You know, sealing the game with the Daniel Carlson game-winning field goal. Ex-Viking kicker, go fucking figure, goes on to be successful and goaded. But yeah, we could, we. it's a growing frustration, and it's something that the NFL really needs to pay attention to because when it got bad in the NBA, the NBA was losing viewers. And once it starts hurting dollars, that's when the, the NFL or NBA, like sports owners and shit, that's when they pay attention is when it affects the dollars. And I'll be honest. I know I've said this before. This is the least amount of football that I've watched across an NFL season. Typically, I'm glued to the TV 
all day on Sunday watching teams I could give a shit about. But like now it's like the football is so bad. And then you put terrible officiating on top of it. And these officials just trying to get their TV time. And which it literally feels like that. Like you can say that sarcastically if you want, but does it not feel like the refs just want to be relevant? Like they throw flags and then they'll go talk about it for three minutes while everyone else is fucking running around. You threw the flag, make the fucking call. There's no debate about it. And what's a debate going to do anyway? We debate calls all the time. They don't ever have to come on camera and defend themselves. They don't ever get fined. They don't ever get questioned. Nope. Because they're in a union, the ref in union. And it's an absolute fucking joke. They need to be held accountable or shit is not going to change. Again, you signed five deals with major gambling companies. And these absurd calls are coming in the fourth quarter directly affecting the not only the outcome, but the, 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 the difference in points in the outcome. It's affecting the spread. So if I got so-and-so favored by three points and they fucking throw a 80-yard penalty to put that team on the one-yard line with two and a half, now all of a sudden it's a 10-point game. You know, that type of shit. So the refs once again shined on Thanksgiving in Dallas. Um, they they stole away from what was a really entertaining, fun game. Again, both offenses were doing their thing. Uh, it's just it's just frustrating at this point. That's all it really is. The Bills took advantage of a very shorthanded Saints team on Thanksgiving night. And hey, they listened to my advice. They had 32 carries as a team versus 13 last game. And it opened up the pass game and set Josh Allen up for a great game. He was 23 for 28, 264 touchdowns. He did have two interceptions, but it was the run game. And what did I say? If they come out and run the ball well, this could be a blowout at New Orleans. And wow, Caleb, you're fucking right, bud. Uh, dominant road. Sorry, I totally forgot where I was. It was a dominant road win to stay in the AFC East contention with the Patriots. The Bills improved to seven and four. Saints, on the other hand, have lost their fourth straight now, and they fall to five and six. Say what you want about Jameis Winston, but they were winning ball games with him at the helm. As for Buffalo, like I said, they got a much needed win as this coming week they play host to the NFL's hottest team, the New England Patriots, are coming to town. That secondary is turning over lots of good quarterbacks. Josh Allen has been a lot more reckless the last few weeks. So it's, it, this is a massive game going down in Buffalo. And then and it, here's it, it's an even bigger game because for Buffalo, so let's just play the play the if game. If you lose that game at home to New England, not saying they will, but then you're seven and five. Next game, you're going to Tampa Bay. And if you lose that game, the buff Buffalo could really quickly be seven and six and in some trouble. So it's it's gonna get tough here. We're gonna find out what Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are made out of in these next two weeks. So pay attention to them down the stretch. Heading into Sunday now, as we uh get past that Thanksgiving feast of games. The Bengals absolutely throttled the weak ass Steelers 41-10. Joe Mixon rushed for a career-high 165 yards and two touchdowns. Big rape through two picks and a bunch of four- and five-yard passes as the Steelers get slaughtered like the Thanksgiving turkey I ate and have now dropped two in a row with their next four games being at home against the Ravens. At the Vikings, I'll be there Thursday night screaming my fucking brains out. I think the Vikings, well, actually, no, I don't. I was going to say I think they'll kill them, but the Vikings are incapable of that. 
Then they got the Titans at home. So it's Ravens at home at Vikings, Titans at home. Then they're back on the road for a visit to Kansas City to play Mahomes and the Chiefs. Then Browns at home, Baltimore again to end the season. So it's a vicious schedule for the reeling Steelers. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to lose a bunch of games down the stretch here. Big Ben is not a quarter. Like they really need to start finding a uh, the replacement for Ben because you got a lot of talent on that team, but the window is closing. And Big Ben is clearly not going to get it done anymore. Bengals, on the other hand, they have back-to-back blowout wins with three very winnable games coming up. They got the Chargers at home this coming Sunday, then 49ers at home, then they're at the Broncos. They should win all three of those. So realistically, the Bengals could be one of the first teams in the NFL to reach 10 wins. That's pretty cool. Keeping it in the AFC North, the Ravens take down a beat-up Mayfield and the Browns 16 to 10 in a boring ass game in which running back Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions. Justin Tucker scores 10. So he by himself tied the Browns and the Ravens were able to pull out an absolute shit show of a game at home. Buccaneers and Colts delivered an absolute gem of a game. The Bucks and Brady uh, got the ball back down or no tie game. Three minutes. We've seen him a million times. This time it was Leonard Fournette dominating. He had 100 yards, three rushing touchdowns, and one receiving in the 28-yard rush, rushing touchdown to take the lead. And then the Colts returner takes it all the way back to the 30, and Wentz had time for two plays, and his weak ass couldn't even make the ball from the Tampa 35 to the end zone. It was like three yards short, intercepted. Bucks went on the road versus a hot Colts team. And the reason it, you can say two, one of two ways. Either the Bucks kept Jonathan Taylor in check or the Colts simply didn't feed him enough. And that's what I think happened. I, I believe he only had 17 carries. They should have given them the ball way more than that. Anyway, it was an awesome game, and the Bucks get a statement win on the road. 38-31 was the final. The Bucks will travel to Atlanta next before a big-time matchup with Buffalo in Tampa. The Dolphins top the Panthers 33-10. Cam was horrid. Doesn't belong on an NFL field. Five for 21. First off, garbage. 92 yards. Nathan Peterman throws better than that. Those two stats have never been associated with Nathan Peterman, who's the worst quarterback I've ever seen in the NFL. Two interceptions, too. I believe his stats at halftime were two for 15 with two picks. Someone look it up. I'm pretty sure he was two for fucking 15 with two picks at half. He ended up getting benched for my boy out of the XFL. Uh, I call him my boy. I can't remember his name. He sucks. Tua, on the other hand, Tua looked really good. He was 27 for 31. You know, so four incompletions. That's he almost had as many incompletions as Cam had completions. That's pretty. Pff. 230 yards and a touchdown. Two to me is he's it's super interesting with this Miami team because I believe that he can be very good given some talent. They need a run game first off. The O line is getting better. They're a younger unit. They're gonna keep improving. Do I think that Tua will be like a superstar quarterback like Mahomes type? No. But I could definitely see like a glorified Tony Romo-esque like quarterback, and that's not an insult. If you think that calling someone Tony Romo is an insult, then you probably think Kirk Cousins is a bad quarterback, which makes you irrelevant. So get out of here with that sorry-ass take. Jalen Waddle had yet another great game. Nine catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. He appears to have true star potential, a dark horse for rookie offensive player of the year. The Dolphins have rattled off four in a row and host the Jets and Giants back-to-back. -back. So... 
if they take out those two weak-ass New York teams, they could be 7-7 seven and seven in a couple weeks here. Enough Delphi talk, though. And yes, it is Delphi. The singular form of the word is Delphi versus a loaf of dolphin. So if you have a bunch of dolphin, then it would be dolphin. We'll, we'll get back to dolphin shortly. Patriots are scorching. Blew out the Titans, 36-13. Mac Jones diced them up. 310 yards, two touchdowns, both to Kendrick Bourne. But again, it was that Belichick defense. They owned the game. They held Tannehill under. They held him under 100 yards passing. Why is this happening in 2021? I don't give a shit who you are. It's a passing league. And yet every week I'm looking around and there's one or two quarterbacks thrown for under 100 yards. Get them the hell out of the game. I don't give a shit what your name is. I don't care if you're Brady or Rogers. If you're under 100 yards and your team doesn't have 250 rushing, then you should be on the fucking bench. He goes, Tannenbill goes one, 11 for 21, 93 yards, a touchdown and a pick. The Patriots improved to 8-4, and four, setting up this week's monster matchup. As I mentioned, they're traveling to Buffalo to face the 7-4 and four Bills. Titans, Titans, they actually have the easiest schedule in the league down the stretch. I mean, if you go look it up, they play all the dog shit teams. And they're, and they're sitting at 8-4, and four, and I, I do believe that Derrick Henry does come back this year. I believe. I can't recall exactly the timeline on it. But they're going to get healthy down the stretch, and I do think that the Titans will be just fine. Having an easy schedule, though, as banged up as they are, is going to save them right now. The Giants beat the Eagles 13-10. to um, Jets beat the Texans 21-14. So, Falcons beat the Jaguars 21-14. I do want to give Cordero Patterson a quick shout-out. Shout out. I didn't want to talk about either of these three games because all these teams suck, and they were terrible games. But Cordero Patterson... Let's think about the career this dude has. You're drafted as a first-round receiver by the Minnesota Vikings, bust, and you instantly become a top-three kick returner, but again, a bust as a wide receiver. So teams just started using him anywhere. I believe it was New England where we first started seeing him appear as a running back, but now he's Atlanta's featured back, and he scores a ton of touchdowns. Like, if he doesn't score, Atlanta doesn't score. Uh, this game, he had 16 carries for 108 yards and two touchdowns. It's a wacky but very good career for that dude and good for him, honestly. Willing to do whatever. He He's a superb athlete. He's 6'2". Like, he's got to be like a buck 90, a pure muscle, 210. And he's obviously electrically fast. He always has been. So, yeah, good for him. Uh, Vikings lose yet again to a lesser team. And I'm going to make a few excuses. Injuries played a huge factor. Uh, this is this game reminded me of last year when Elvin Kamara rushed for six touchdowns against them. It was literally an entire starting second team defense while San Fran got an entire backup D-line. They were so thin at D-line that they started three D-tackles. So, I mean, congratulations, Niners. You're really fucking good for beating up a trash-ass team with a trash-ass coaching staff and the trash-ass refs giving you every call in the second half. Mackenzie Alexander and Xavier Woods. Mike Zimmer, how about you get a fucking brain, please, all season? 
Xavier Woods and Mackenzie Alexander and Brashad Breland have getting, gotten beaten like they fucking stole something in man-to-man coverage. Yet, here we are, week 12. Man-to-man coverage. Mackenzie Alexander burned. Xavier, Xavier Woods burned. It's so embarrassing how easily these coaches are exposing mismatches because they're always there. He doesn't know how to disguise anything. He's a complete idiot. He's lucky that Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL and was just missing throw after throw. He is trash, hot garbage. I can't believe there was actually a discussion. Who would you rather take, Kirk or Jimmy? Helen Keller would have taken Kirk over him, and she has no idea what the hell is going on. I was so, so, so sad driving home, listening to the second half of that game in and out. I I couldn't stick with it. I just, oh, it was just, the Vikings have top-tier talent. You watch the Vikings, and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's so much talent on that team. How can they be terrible? Mike Zimmer, quit. You know you're holding them back. You, If you say that you care and you love all these players and you love the franchise and the fans, then you would quit to fucking night because you suck. Oh, my gosh, dude. I would drop that dude like a bad habit if I had the opportunity. I also truly believe he's going to be our coach next year as well. So, So fuck it. The Vikings are always going to be a good team that underachieves and never wins the Super Bowl. It's just the way they're going to be. I hate how much I love them. Sign me up for more heartbreak next week, though, because the Lions are getting their first win, and I'll be right there watching and cheering. So 49ers, congrats. You have an excellent coach. Your future is bright with him there. He's already one of the top three coaches in the league, in my opinion, because he's winning games with Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jimmy Garoppolo is so garbage. It's not even funny. Moving on, Chargers cannot, they cannot rally wins together. They lose another disappointing game at Denver. Uh, Ricky Corner out of Bama, Patrick Sertain had a couple picks, had the pick six. The Broncos are no fun to watch. Uh, They got play it safe Teddy, as I call him. He sucks. So, I mean, yeah, they're just, and you never really know what Denver team is going to show up. Is Denver that beats the Chargers? or goes into Dallas and dominates going to show up, or is the Denver who loses to whoever the fuck they just lost to that's awful going to show up? (sighs) (sighs) That was the most convenient yawn ever. Yes, that was real. Talking about the Broncos just made me yawn. Thinking of watching Teddy play football just made me yawn. Stay away from betting anything in the AFC West, basically, is what I'd say, because all those teams are just so inconsistent and up and down, and we don't know if any of them are actually good or not. Stafford and the Rams fall again as Green Bay has uh, retained their record of not losing back-to-back games under Le Fleur. Rodgers Rodgers and Stafford Stafford. Both of them lit it up until Stafford threw a, a pick six, and then boom, game's over. Green Bay's schedule is easy as fuck because the AFC North is absolute trash. Other than them, you know, they, they should win out. They could finish 14-3, and three, even if they drop one or two down the stretch. Either way, I, I think the Packers are going to be a 12-win team, one or two seed in the NFC with a first-round bye and home field throughout. 
Rams, on the other hand, are in a bit of trouble, in my opinion. You're seven and four, so you're fine there. But you got some very tough games coming down the stretch. Next week, they should dominate the Jaguars at home. Then you're at the Arizona Cardinals. You should beat the Sea Chickens at home. But then you're at Minnesota, at Baltimore. Then you're hosting the Hot Niners. And so they got three or four very losable games down the stretch. I think that they got to get their shit together a little bit. You saw flashes of it in the Green Bay game, but they have to put together consistency throughout an entire game, quarter by quarter, series by series on offense and defense. Because right now you're just seeing flashes of greatness. A big play from the offense here and there, but then they'll go three and out and punt or have some really ugly series. Same with the defense, force a three and out, or they look like shit. Um, and for those of you ripping Jalen Ramsey, dude, he's a fucking corner. All he does is train how to guard passes. So Aaron Rodgers gives him a pump fake. It's Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the greatest passers of all time. He could have thrown a touchdown. What's he supposed to do? Not jump? Then what happens if Rodgers throws that ball and it goes right over his fucking ear hole? Then it's, oh, how do you not play the pass there? Uh. It's a lose-lose. How about your fucking D-end? Keep him in the pocket. How about your linebackers chase him down? No. I'm going to defend Jalen Ramsey on that one, and I don't do that too often. I'm prepared to say Russell Wilson is looking a little washed. Don't get me wrong. I'll give him this. He has a terrible offensive line, doesn't have a good run game, and he still doesn't have a tight end who I can name. So I'll give him some 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 leeway there. But I watched some of that game, and I've watched some of his games earlier in the year. I was at the Minnesota game. He doesn't look the same. He's not seeing the field the way our Russell Wilson, the, the the way that we're used to seeing Russell Wilson see the field. Last night in the Washington game, I know that in the fourth quarter, he takes that deep shot and a double coverage to DK Metcalf, but he had Tyler Lockett sitting like 20 yards on the field, jumping up and down with his arms in the air wide. And it's like, dude, that's right in front of you. And the play before that, the defensive line and the defense parted like the Red Sea. He could have ran that thing for 20 just right up the middle and said he forced a pass, got hit, and it sailed over the safety's head. So he he just doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look right. Seattle as a team, though, is falling apart, and that's not going to help Russ. So, yeah, it's just kind of becoming a shit show. You're 3-8. and eight. You traded all them picks away to get – Jamal Adams from the Jets, and now you are the Jets. You're both three and eight. So, congrats, Seattle. That was a good move. Pause not. And it's funny that they played Washington because uh, I actually think that's one of the teams that Russ could end up going to. I think that Washington has a lot of pieces, and they could go all in on Russell Wilson next year, give up some picks, um, stuff like that. And, you know, you're going to obviously they're going to lose some draft capital, but throw a Taylor Hineke in there or Fitzmagic. And go acquire Russ. That could be a that could be a really good team in in a real in just one move. You know, a snap of the snap of the fingers, you get Russell Wilson. Automatically, you become contenders. So, it was a boring game. They're weak ass teams. Uh, I don't know if I said the score, but Seattle lost fifteen seventeen. Wrapping up week twelve, Vikings and Bears need new coaching desperately. The Patriots and Niners are led by the league's two best coaches. No one is good in the NFL. Everyone is capable of losing to anyone at any time, except maybe Green Bay. But then again, they lost to my trash-ass, garbage-ass, sorry-ass Vikes. So, who knows? More sports next. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't
ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Can you imagine the stories Adolphi could tell? The things that they've seen swimming around the ocean, considered one of the smartest mammals on Earth. Discovering their level of intelligence. And then also I would I would like to ask Adolphi. How do you achieve happiness? Think about it. Have you ever seen an angry or vicious looking Delphi? Nope. So yeah, I don't know. It was a weird start to the segment. But anyway, I asked a lot of people, asked a lot of fans if you're following us on Instagram or yeah, actually I only put it on Insta. You would have seen it. I said, I asked the question, if you could talk to one animal, which animal would it be and why? I love animals. I love hearing facts and random shit about animals. So you're damn right. I want to talk to a Dolphi and I want to know what you guys wanted to talk to. So I opened it up. A lot of fans wrote in. My brother Noah would love to ask a cheetah and quote, how the fuck you running so fast? That's a great question. Alex would like to talk to a dinosaur. Not, not, a, no particular dinosaur, moron. It like, clearly, it's got to be a velociraptor or a pterodactyl. But, eh, I mean, he, he just wanted to talk, I guess. He didn't really say anything in particular. Jack, my Florida boy, said that he wanted to talk to a goat because he wants to ask Tom Brady. Why he dragged his balls all over Aaron Rodgers' forehead last year in Lambeau in the playoffs. Devin said a horse for for reasons I cannot say on air. Hunter had a good one. He would ask he want he would want to talk to a shark and ask lots of questions to help them explain why sharks are hated for wrong reasons or no reason at all. And secretly really cool. So yeah, he wants to find the better side of sharks. Joab, my cousin, writes, a white-tailed deer. He wants to know what everyday life, and not only that, he wants to be a deer. His reason being, again, quote, <laughs> all they do that I know of is eat, fight, and fuck, or die. <laughs> Oh, that's too good. Love you, Joab, if you're listening, bud. Uh, my other friend, Alex, Alex Joseph, says squirrels. He would have them spy and be a lookout for them when he's doing, quote, bad shit, which is genius. Squirrels are very nosy. I feel like they're always up by your window or up in a tree branch staring at you or hiding under your chair waiting for you to drop a chip or something. So it's a pretty good one. Thomas said rats and mice because they must hear all the drama and whatnot around town, so he would want to ask what everyone's talking about. Mason writes in a giant squid or a deep ocean creature because they are already aliens. Shay says dogs because she wants to know why they stay loyal to those who hurt them. Hmm. Very intriguing. NBA action's heating up. Michael Porter Jr. is out for the season, having back surgery, I believe Joe Ankle. Joe, Joe Harris is out for a month or two with an ankle injury. Jalen Suggs is out indefinitely. So injuries are starting to slowly stack up as they usually do. 
as the season starts to ramp up a little bit. Blake Griffin has been taken out of the Nets rotation. It's kind of sad how fast Blake's career has become irrelevant. He went to Detroit. He had that good, really good year with Detroit where him and Reggie Jackson led them to the playoffs. Then they got their ass whooped, and ever since then, Blake has been terrible. And you're getting benched for 200-year-old dinosaur LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, and it's not just him. Kemba Walker has been moved out of the Knicks rotation now. Uh, I actually like that. Kemba was never fun to watch for me. But Blake Griffin, man, it's pretty sad to see the way that dude's career fell apart. It's kind of like Dwight Howard. Such a high flyer would take over games and shit like that. So DeMarcus Cousins is back in the league. He's a Milwaukee Buck, so that's cool. The Warriors, led by the world's best player, Stephen Curry, and Phoenix throw down Tuesday night as the league's two best teams by a long shot, might I add, are going to collide head-to-head. Should be fun shit. College Hoops, Duke and Gonzaga put on an absolute show last Friday. Day after Thanksgiving, I would have watched, but my terrible Tar Heels, the football team, if you watch, they blew a nine-point lead with two minutes left to NC State, our rivals in football. I don't know if I just said that, but they made me so sad, like so sad. Them and the Vikings depressed me so much. They had me so like down terrible that I watched USA versus Canada women's curling. So, yeah, uh, Paolo Ranchero is an absolute stud. He led Duke to a thrilling 84-81 win. Two of the clear top four teams in the nation. They're so good. I think Baylor's really good. I think they're right there with them. Led by Matthew Jacob Meyer. Dude's got a mullet stud. Johnny Davis continues to carry the Badgers. He carried him right into the rankings, winning the Maui and the tourney uh, most valuable player. Purdue is right there amongst the top dogs as well. I believe that the top four teams are Purdue, Baylor, Gonzaga, and Duke. However, it's so early. It's so hard to tell. And Purdue, they have a nine-and-a-half-yard center. So, I mean, they're going to be tough to beat. That dude's just huge. He never even jumps, I don't think. But it's too early to tell. But this season is officially in swing. Once you get past these tournament plays, teams are starting to shape out into who they're going to be headed into the season. So let's get into some more animal talk. Seth says he would want to talk to a bear because he wants to know what bears enjoy doing, such as hobbies and whatnot, and their preferred meal. This way he can keep one as a pet and have full-time protection. Double whammy. Good for you, Buck. I hope you achieve that. Cody says an old wise tortoise to talk about things that it's seen and done in its very long life. And if it actually enjoys that being that old, or he was like referring to like a 200 year old turtle, or if it's boring after like your 130th birthday, Mario said a line Kings of the jungle. It's reflective of who he wants to be. He wants to talk to a line, picking their brain about confidence, courage, and being a humble King. So that was a pretty cool response relating it to his own life. We got UFC and hockey. Next. That was Beats by my boy Hunter. Creates his own. He does a great job helping me out with the show. Shout out to Hunter. Thank you, bro. 
UFC has a great fight night this weekend. The legend, future Hall of Famer Jose Aldo, has an absolute war set up with Rob Font in the main event. Hopefully, we'll be getting Taylor back here. Possibly my other friend, Seisha, who knows they know their shit about the UFC. If you listen to that UFC episode, then you you know that these guys know their shit. They're going to bring a lot of good news updates, highlight a couple fights for us again. Hopefully, we're going to put that together on Friday's episode. We're working on it right now, so we'll see. The NHL, we are starting to see the early season pretenders. Teams like Buffalo Sabres, you start out hot, reality kicks you in the face. You've lost five out of six or whatever it is. Um, that's just an example. You know, the early season pretenders are coming back to reality. Teams playing up to their potential after underachieving to start. It's why it's a long season. It's the same with baseball. Anyone can beat anyone. It's a random sport any night. But good teams will win much more given a larger sample size. So that's what's happening in the NHL. Brad Marchand, good. Get your stupid ass out of here. Get suspended three games for slew footing. And they need to add P.K. Subban to that list. Weak-ass dudes. If you don't know what slew footing is, it's basically put yourself, picture yourself up against the boards battling for the puck, and someone comes from behind you and lifts your leg like, like you're on skates. So they just lift your leg out from under you to the side. Great way to tear your groin and eat shit. Uh, it's a dirty move and I'm all for the fighting, the jabbing with your stick, elbows, shit like that. But that shit is not cool. You're coming from behind Jokic style. Uh, this shit's weak as hell. Don't be a coward. Uh, cheap shot and pricks wild are good. The Canes, Panthers and lightning are all top five teams and they are all in the same division. So the rest of the league is pretty lucky because those teams are going to eat each other apart this season, just like they did last year. And, I truly believe that if these teams were spread out in different divisions, they would be the division winners of of each. Like, if you put them in three separate ones, they're going to win the division in each of those divisions. That's how good that those three teams are. So the NHL continuing to go, you know, games every night on ESPN+. Plus, action pack, drama, trades are going to start happening. Injuries are going to start happening. I know Jack makes his debut tonight coming back. He just got an eight-year deal. So, yeah, the NHL is always fun. Like I keep telling you people, make sure you tune in. Last but not least, I mean, I guess we could call it, call it Caleb's comment, but I just want to say that the Vikings have they've almost broke my spirit, folks. And And I went off about it, and I'm here to tell you this. We need to do it more. This whole show is designed for the voice of the fans. Fan dumb. Yeah, we're dumb. Yeah, we're irrational. Yeah, we swear. Yeah, we spit. Yeah, we burp. Whatever the fuck we want. Why? Because we're paying for tickets. We're paying for jerseys. We're paying for all the stadium bullshit for a fucking $10 beer, a fucking shitty hot dog, whatever it may be. We need more booze, more comments on social media, the fans, we need to fucking bring it because if we want change, we're going to get it. We need to do it Chicago style and get entire stadiums chanting. If you want your fucking NFL coach fired, then you go to an NBA game and you go to a football game and you start chants like fire Nagy. That is great. Well done, Chicago. Round of applause. That's how you do it. Why? Because again, we pay for their salaries. If they can build entire stadiums with taxpayer money 
and, and charge us these outlandish prices for fucking food, drink, and tickets just to go have a good time, then fuck them. We can say what we want. Obviously, you have to keep it in check somewhat. But fuck that. Get more involved. We need to be screaming more. Vikings fans, when I am there Thursday night, last time I was there for the Seattle game, the home opener, they announced Mike Zimmer as the head coach. I was the only one I heard booing. Well, everyone else is looking at me like, yeah, yeah, we don't like Zimmer. Well, then make your fucking voices heard because if Ziggy Wolf, the owner, is sitting there and he hears a bunch of fans booing his trash-ass, weak-ass, underachieving, one-eyed head coach, he's going to fire him or be more opt to. You do listen to your fans. Do they always listen to us? No. Why? Because we don't know as much as they do. We're not in the locker rooms and shit like that. But fuck that. We get so emotionally invested in these teams, and we cannot settle. Get louder. Everybody, get louder. Get into arguments. Dude, I argue with Vikings fans every week because some of them are so delusional and live in fucking la-la land and think that there's some great team that's going to turn it around when they're not. They don't have leadership or coaching. They're not going to turn it around. You fucking meatballs. And the more you sit here and make excuses and cheer, the more underachieving we're going to do the next year. Why? Because they're not going to fire Zimmer. And it's going to be another joke. So, fans, just please do your damn job. Be loud. Be vulgar. Be obnoxious. Maintain a certain level of respect. But if your team's not winning, if they're not making you happy, if they're making you depressed, anxious, they're giving you the expectation to lose. Like the Vikings get a lead, and I literally, the first thing that goes to mind is how are we going to blow the lead? So, and it's negative thinking overall. Like, knock this shit off, Vikings. And I know I'm making this about me, but I know that Jets fans, Dolphins fans, Bears fans, for fuck's sakes, Lions fans, holy fuck, we didn't even mention Browns fans. And it's other sports too, Timberwolves. Like, you got all these bullshit franchises. And yeah, every time I look up, it's fans in the stands. It's jersey sales. It's pay overpaying for that beer and a hot dog or whatever it may be. We do it. So voice your frustration when you're frustrated. Caleb's comment can fuck off. We all need to get our anger out sometimes. We need to cry. We need to scream. Listen to depressing music and shit while we're on a fucking long drive home from their hometown and the fucking your team's losing and you just want to be sad and then you do things like you go watch professional curling because you just can't take sports anymore because your team's just let you down. It's okay. You need to be loud and let yourselves be fucking heard. Everybody love everybody.